And we're glitching along on Hollywood Boulevard. Hi, greetings again to all of our listeners. In case you didn't hear, I'm back on the block. Doug continues to have computer problems, so, you know, deal with it. But if anyone knows how you can fix a bad Skype connection, and it's my fault, not Karen's, um, we're all ears. So thanks. We hope this can be resolved soon. In the meantime, we're just going to work our brilliance uh, around the, the glitches that you might be hearing in the podcast. We're trying our best, guys. We're trying. Yeah, Karen, Karen is making heroic efforts to, to fill the gaps as well. So speaking of her- heroic efforts, we have we have a special guest. Oh, my hero. Aww. One Alyssa Marr is joining us. We're glitching, guys. We're glitching. Um, oh, oh, except I don't think anyone heard. Alyssa, we heard nothing. Oh, all right, my hero, Alyssa. Hi. And then I went, I went, hi. That's the internet saying hi. Okay, we're going to just move it right along, guys, um, before we glitch ourselves to death. Um, you guys have been watching some TV. Yeah, we gave a new show a shot. I think probably the only new show this season that we've yeah. seen. Um, it's called Evil. And it's created for CBS by Robert and Michelle King, who also did The Good Wife, which, um, well, it was a big hit and I didn't love it maybe as much as the rest of the world did. But, um, you know, they had the longer storylines about the, uh, what's her name, uh, Juliana Margulies' characters, you know, romantic and professional relationships, but, but also was mostly a procedural with, like, your cases of the wound in. So evil in a sense is structured similarly, right? Buttercup? Yep. About it. Or I, let me turn the floor over to you to describe it a bit further. Um, it follows a forensic psychi- psychiatrist or psychologist who um, in the first episode she's investigating like a serial or a murderer um trying to figure out if he's possessed. Um, and it catches the attention of a pers- a guy in the monastery who recruits her to investigate these catholic cases, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we've only watched two episodes. And then the second one, she's like, um, investigate. They're investigating a um, possible miracle of a girl coming back to life on the operating table. Yeah, and after she was dead for two hours. Um, the procedural stuff, the like case of the week stuff, isn't that strong. I feel like they sort of have an A and a B, and then there's no real C. They're like, oh, okay, this is the explanation. Um, but the interesting stuff for me is. The lead character, which what is her name? It's she's like Dutch. It's no. Kate. What is her character's name? Kristen? No, I don't think that's it. Who's I think Kristen you're lying. Bouchard. Is that her name? Um, is a she's a single mom or the, the, husband, the husband's the husband and father of four with her is conveniently like hiking some mountain. Yeah, Mount Everest. Um, oh, <laughs> that mountain. <laughs> she's got four daughters. She lives in a weird house under a bridge somewhere in New York City. 
Um, and she has visions in night terror. Night terror. Um, she has visions in night terrors, and there's a demon esque. Uh, yeah, there's like a demon stalking yeah. her, which that's where the show is really interesting. Um, like you said, the procedural stuff is sort of ho hum and cliche, but but the supernatural stuff the supernatural as it like stuff. swirls around her is more interesting. And yeah. the other interesting thing for us is because it's filmed in New York, there are lots of New York theater people showing up. Like Ewan Morton, a yeah. Tony-nominated performer, is actually playing this demon vision of hers. Danny Burstein, a favorite of ours, um, shows up yeah. as well. Um, a Kristen Bouchard is the character. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. Say. Yeah, you pay attention. I, I don't. So, so I'm very intrigued by the show. Yeah, we definitely I've want to keep good watching. Things from like reputable sources, and I feel like anytime like a CBS procedural. Oh, we were glitching. Um, uh, last thing we heard was CBS procedural. I don't know. I I, I don't know what I was saying, but we're going to keep watching it and uh, hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah, I recommend it because uh, I think it's worth giving a shot. You may find yourself liking it, too. Oh, and Michael Emerson um, of Lost and also CBS's person of interest is is on it. Um so, so that's like the one, the one new show that we're diving into. Well, it sounds like something actually I would like to watch. I didn't even realize that this was on, and it sounds like so up my alley. So I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah, you know, I'd seen ads, I'd seen commercials, and you know, like ads on the sides of buses, but I really didn't know what it was. And it was only like halfway into the the pilot that I even started to put together what they were trying to do with it. So yeah, I think you should give it a shot, and we can revisit it down the line. Perfect. When we're not glitching. Oh, from your lips to God, the devil's ears, whoever's. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's segues I could make. Like, speaking of the devil, people were really going after the critics. Or well, you want to leave that one for last, and we could talk about quickly, you, like, soft power and all right. Scotland Pier. Yeah, yeah. you, you, you leave the charge. Yeah, we're going to move on over to Broadway and talk less, about a couple uh, I feel like shows. there's less things to say about Things I yeah, like. yeah. We can do a couple capsule um, type reviews of a few off Broadwayers. Yeah, so Scotland, PA, is a new off Broadway musical at Roundabout. Their off Broadway space, the Lorpel, based on a movie of the same title, which is an adaptation of Macbeth. Get it, Scotland? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's the story of Macbeth, but set in the seventies, in a seventies fast food restaurant. Uh, it's kind of clever and funny, uh, the way that they title together. But um, I really liked it. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's a pretty, pretty solid show. I really liked it. Um, the lead character is played by Ryan McCartan, who is fantastic, and yeah. um, both he and um, one of the featured actors, Jay Armstrong Johnson, who's done stuff all over new york both are not they're both great singers but they're both also required to do a lot of really nimble physical work that um i think they handle with a plum um it's pretty great and what's her name taylor iman jones yeah she's really who was too. last seen on broadway in head over heels um is pat Macbeth, the lady Macbeth version here and um she's got a phenomenal voice yeah, and, yeah. and she 
I wish she had a little bit more to do in the show, but she really does put it uh, on great display. Um, you know, for an off-Broadway show, they do some pretty cool stuff with makeup and costume effects in addition to the scenery. Um, and and I would say the the music is actually also impressive. Adam Guan, um, particularly his lyrics, I think, are... are uh, uh, I just praised Adam Guan for his music and lyrics and several members of the cast. I don't know how much of that was... Well, we got it. We got it. We I heard it. I mean, um... And Megan Lawrence is also really, she's Pat, Mc, Pat? Peg, 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 Peg McDuff, the, um, investigative. Yeah. Um, she's really great too. She's always been great, but, uh, it's just fun. It's a fun show. It's fun. And I've seen the movie Scotland PA, which, uh, Maura Tierney was in. She did it with her then husband who directed it and wrote it and um the this musical version is a very faithful adaptation to that film so people might say well it's very different from macbeth which yeah obviously but it's also very true to its actual source which is the 2002 movie so um yeah i it was i don't know if i was pleasantly surprised but i really enjoyed it and i have a small spoiler alert here which is because it's set in the world of fast food, they sell French fries during intermission, and we didn't partake, but boy, we wanted to. Do so. they smell good? Yeah. 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 I love it when they serve food at shows, and like you get the smell. Um, yeah, I don't know how often that happens, but yes. Yeah, I can only think of like a couple, of, like the the pies at waitress. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually working on a project in the winter that I can't really talk about, but a big part of the show or like the conceit of the show, like where the show is supposed to be happening is like there's food served and I keep going, are we going to serve food? Are we going to serve food? But apparently, you know, with health, New York Department of Health regulations, like it becomes like a big issue. And so they're just talking about possibly like doing something with scent. Oh, that's going to drive me crazy. I know. Like, you're going to sit there and be like, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, through the whole show. But I I actually love that idea of, like, being able to sort of, like, have that sort of sensory stuff happen. Oh, definitely. I think it's a cool enhancement. Yeah. I never pierogi at Free Comedy. Oh, I did. It wasn't that good. Oh, that's better. Yeah. Um, You want to talk about soft power? Yeah. I don't really know what to say about this show. The soft power now is a. It, they're advertising it as a play with music. It's a musical at the public theater. Um, the play and lyrics. Some lyrics are by David Henry Wang, Tony winner for M Butterfly, and the music and other lyrics are by Janine Tesori, Tony winner for Fun Home. Um, it's about. What is it about? It's about so. It's based on a real life, um, David Henry Wang's real life incident in which he was stabbed in the neck. He was just walking in Brooklyn at night and got stabbed in the neck. Um, may have been a hate crime. It was a real random act of violence. Yeah, the assailant was never found. It was right after the 2016 election. No, I thought it was before. I thought it was 2015. I thought it was even earlier than that. The show makes it seem like it's tied to the election, like... Yeah. 
Yeah, so so part of it part of it is there is a character played wonderfully by the actor Francis Jew, and that is the the book writer himself, David Henry Wong, talking about himself and and this vicious attack. And then we also talk about again uh, the 2016 election when Hillary Clinton is a character in like a musical within this musical. Yeah, and she's in love with this Chinese film producer who wants David Henry Wang to write a musical of a movie. Oh, glitchies. Um, we lost the whole thing. Oh, uh, no. Um, the Hillary Clinton character is in love with this Chinese film producer who wants the David Henry Wong character to adapt uh, uh, a fictitious work that translates to roughly stick with your mistake, i.e. Trump. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what to say. (laughs) It's it's both it's it's both high minded and clever and also lowbrow and the entwining doesn't really work. But it's also like choir preaching. It, not, yeah, that's the thing. It's like none of it really worked for me. It's directed by Lee Silverman to be very broad and almost like an, a Saturday Night Live. It feels like a yeah, sketch. It feels like a Saturday Night Live sketch. Like, um, but the music is very old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, The King and I comes up, so I guess it's supposed to have that Rogers and Hammerstein sort of feel to it it doesn't really amount to anything it also you know it also talks about like the chinese and u.s relationship and i don't really know it's like it's all it's over all, the place it feels like an early draft of something that didn't fully get at what it wanted to say and what hasn't already been said before so i enjoyed watching it, it looks beautiful you know costumes choreography they're all there, right. um, but I just wish there was more meat to it. Yeah, it's only about two hours long with an intermission. It just it there's no there's nothing below the surface, and people are reacting to it because it's about Hillary and you know anything that makes that just highlights how bad Trump anything is. Anything that bad says America how bad is, Trump it, is, and yeah, yeah, you know. People were, like, rolling in the aisles when we saw it. Like, there was a lot of, like, really heavy laughter. I was like, are you serious? But I think it's sort of like, oh, we're in on the joke, too. Ha, ha, ha. And also, the public theater audience is never really diverse. or Mm-mm. It's it's a lot of, like, rich white liberals who... So it's like you're preaching to the choir. Wait, 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 wait. The public theater's audience has, like, no, no, yeah. no diversity. No, I know because their tickets are really expensive. Well, public theater isn't really theater for the people. It's it's all owned by corporations and rich subscribers. Yeah, they're full of crap. They like they're on my number one like crap list because <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they fraud. Put, they put on these diverse works. Soft Power included the whole cast except for um, Elise Allen Lewis, who plays Hillary, is Asian. Uh, which is nice to see, but it's like, then you look around, most of the audiences are white. So, and of a certain class. 
um, because their tickets are, you know, $140 and, um, you know, only a certain type of demographic can afford that. Well, I also think that, um, yes and no. I mean, I think that they're, you know, are they reaching out to these communities, um, that are being reflected in the work that they're doing, um, to really work to, to invite them into the theater to see this work? Well, I don't know. I think, you know, they do like the mobile, the mobile unit, Mm -hmm. Shakespeare, and they do like the public works and that, you know, they go, we have free Shakespeare in the park, which is, I look around those. Kind of not true. (laughs) Yeah. I look around those audience and go, you guys didn't wait in the park at six o'clock this morning. Like, you know, um, but, but even so, there is something very privileged about have, yeah. being able to afford to wait in line Absolutely. for hours for tickets. Especially during the week, because yeah. you have to go to work. Like, yeah. You know, um, yeah, the public, I they're always on my list. So Yeah, Alyssa's <laughs> censoring herself with what she's saying, yeah. Regardless, and I never really think their shows are that amazing to justify the pay, but they just get like big names or a big creative name, you know. Yeah, there's like a halo names. effect around. Yeah, yeah, and most of it is the Emperor's New Clothes. But, I mean, soft power is a, a noble failure, I think. Yeah, it's an admirable effort that just uh, falls short of what it reaches for. I think it needs more room to breathe. It needs another draft. Yeah, like yeah. Cleo. Both yeah. stuff at the public. Um do you want to talk about Heroes of the Fourth Journey? Yeah, yeah. So do you think that's similar? Yeah, in, in... This is another one where it's like, I don't know what, I don't know what this is. Have, like you, have, you, have you heard of, of this show, Karen? What is it? Heroes, Heroes of the Fourth Turning. Not really. What What is this here? Arbery. It's at Playwrights Horizons, and it's a... Um, Oh, that that one. Yes, I have heard about that one. And I read that article, the Times feature on uh, Will Arbery. That's right. And it's about um, essentially four um, college alums. friends. Yeah, alums. Alums of this fake Catholic college in Wyoming, Transfiguration College, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, and they are at one of their houses... Uh, in Wyoming to celebrate one of their favorite professors being named president. Um, and they're Catholic and they're very conservative, but like to differing degrees. And like in, in, in a safe way that won't be off-putting to a, a liberal audience. Yeah. So they just, for two hours and 10 minutes, they basically just talk about you know, how abortion is wrong and how, you know, there's going to be a war and how, you know, keep the LGBT community away from our kids and all sorts of conservative spiel. Well, but, so the play has gotten, by and large, rave reviews. And um, the principal reason for that is people say how brave it is to really explore how the other... There's the glitch again, guys. Sorry. I can't really fill in on this. I haven't seen it yet. What's that? I haven't seen this one, so I can't fill in. It's okay. I'll, I'll just keep repeating myself until there isn't a glitch. No, so, <laughs> so the show has most of its acclaim comes from the fact that it's supposed to like examine how the other side um, 
acts. And so, it, you know, most New Yorkers love plays like Soft Power that we just described, where they appeal to a very liberal and progressive base. And so this is supposed to look at what it's like to be a Catholic conservative mindset. And yet it doesn't really... It doesn't really appreciate those four characters that that we described before. Um, And I don't know. I just thought, well, Arbery actually played it very safe. Characters come out and talk about how, well, but they don't like Trump, which it's like, no, if you're going to if you're going to commit to really embracing the other side, like do so without judgment and go all the way get to an understanding of where the schism between an us versus them thing is so that we might be able to bridge that gap. Um, also, the characters, I thought, talked in artificial ways because they give yeah. us barrels of exposition to talk about sort of like what this school is like. I'm not really sure what the curriculum included. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to disparage it too much because Arbery is a talent. And I think there is some and I think there is some real merit here. But the idea that it's giving like a fundamentalist point of view, the light of day, I don't actually think is accurate. And I also well, first of all, there's not much of a plot. It's just like I'm going to talk for 10 minutes and then you're going to talk for 10 minutes and then you're going to talk for 10 minutes. And all sort of like different. Yeah, and most of the there are five total characters in the show, and almost every scene is a two-hander. So characters keep <laughs> make uh, characters keep making excuses to leave the scene so that two other characters remain, and they can then talk about things that the other characters don't know or ask questions that they only want to ask of each other. It feels a little convenient. Yeah, and but I also think like when you it. I give Will Arbery a lot of credit because you can either make these characters complete monsters or complete stereotypes. So it's kind of hard to write the other side, quote unquote. But it just, there's not a plot. That's what I mean. It's like, what is it really about for former... Yeah, four former students reunite and talk about the things they already know because <laughs> they were there. Yeah. Um, I think it could have been done more elegantly, and yet I do think Will Arbery is a, a smart playwright. I just think a previous work of his that I had seen uh, last season called Plano is a far more sophisticated work that says more while doing less. Well, I I guess I should say that says more and did more, but fussed less. Cool. I'm actually like just kind of like on his website looking at his credits, and I'm like... Wow, he's actually got a lot of... Um... Yeah, and this is a very autobiographical show for him. Yeah. Um, both of his parents were professors at a, at a Catholic conservative college, and one of the characters in the show has Lyme disease, as does uh, one of his real-life siblings. So I think there is a lot of him in this show, and I think that it's a blessing and a ultimately. Um, I think he's writing a lot about what he knows, and I think maybe he's not able to fully divorce himself from some of the things to to maybe have, have sharpened some things that needed more dramaturgical edges. But um, it is... Uh, You're good. You're good. <laughs> it is among the more worthy original plays of the season so far, I would say. Yeah. 
So that is a recommendation, and I know the show has been extended one more time. Ten, it's like a light recommendation. So light, yeah, with reservation. Wreck with res. And um, on to the and now, thief. Yeah, now we move on to I, a horse of a different color. Well, here's the thing. I don't, can we talk less about the actual show and more about, like, yeah, yeah. Let's just talk about the first. So, let's talk about the reaction to the reviews of this musical that is now on Broadway called The Lightning Thief, and then you can add um, your take about when you well, saw it. Well, there's nothing to add other than it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, bad. So tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Did I lose you? <laughs> Repeat that. Repeat that. I- I think it's the worst thing I've ever seen on Broadway. And I <laughs> Holy <never>. shit. <laughs> and I only said it because, like, I have other... Like, I've always said it's um, the revival of A Moon for the Misbe- a Moon for Misbegotten with Kevin Spacey from about, like, ten-ish years ago. But I'm like, you know, that was a terrible production, but the play is still the play. This is, like, all... This was all around terrible. Like, it was terrible... The score was terrible, the book was terrible, the direction was terrible, the acting was terrible. It was really bad. So here's the thing. And I feel bad for saying that, but it was really bad. Well, why do you feel bad? Because it's most of the cast is making their Broadway debuts. Young cast. The writers are young, and it is a children's story. And kind of genre. And genre. And... It needed, you know, first of all, I think it needed to be, like, it couldn't decide between if it wanted to be, like, a big production or a scrappy production. Like, it should have been scrappy, like, Peter and the Starcatcher or mm-hmm. uh, something else. Like, all those Alex Timbers, like, um, the Robert, Robert Bridegroom. Like, something really, like, we see the strings. Yeah, we're all in on it. Yeah. We're all in on it. And, like, the guy playing... Percy Jackson is way too old. Was his name Chris? McCarroll. McCarroll. The rest of the cast is really just not Broadway caliber, I'm sorry to say. Um, yeah, it's I mean, loud. It's really bright. <laughs> like, there's a lot of bright flashing lights. It's not really entertaining. I feel bad saying yeah, the I mean, the odd thing is, I saw this three seasons ago off-Broadway. I saw it mm. down at the Lortel Theater, which is much smaller, and and I don't know the Percy Jackson books. I've never seen any movie adaptation of it. Mm-hmm. I had no investment in it, and I actually thought it was quite charming, and I thought it was nimbly done from, like, the physical staging of it, Um and so I really didn't mind. I was surprised that they thought they could actually sell a Broadway run with it, but I thought, okay, good for them. So I was – I didn't expect it to be a huge critical hit, but I was mildly surprised when when it turned out to not be really a Broadway-caliber show at, at any at any stage. Like, like Alyssa was saying, I mean, the production values of it are really subpar. Um, but also, they can't sell this house for shit. This show is probably going to announce its the end of its run by the time this podcast goes up. Um, the uh, it's it's 
again, talking about reaching too high, it, this was just never, ever cut out for a Broadway run. But part of the Broadway run involves scrutiny. And the reviews were not kind. I mean, I'm kind of euphemistic. I, I never really um, screw the underdog when I write. But a lot of the reviews like looked at the show head on and were like, this is bad, this is bad, this doesn't work. And because it's a show based on a young adult source that the primary target audience is teens and tweens and the characters are as well. Um, they made a lot of references to it being like a, a show for young people. That's really bad. So the lynch mob, that is social media, the Twitterverse, like including the show's Twitter account. Yeah. Um, you know, shot back so with the show opened what two weeks ago yeah just about um and a lot of you know a lot of their views were super unkind and no one could just take it sitting down like they yeah they was like oh all these old white guys are like criticizing a show for young people and it's like well just because it's for young people doesn't mean it has to be bad and right and also it's like if you're too fragile for like first of all the kids aren't the kids aren't reading the reviews no. you know um they just know they like the books and i mean did you see that many young kids when we went no i saw no i mean i think we did see a, a critic heavy performance yeah um but no the only kids i saw were like four and then everyone else was like 64 so i just i yeah the kids aren't reading the reviews like and also the the kids I think it's it's crap to be like you gave this show a, a negative review, you panned it so You're an you're asshole killing, you. yeah. you're killing you're killing the love of theater for children. It's like really like Anyway, I was saying that I think it's crap to say that you know, you're panning this and you're killing the love of theater for kids. Like I mean I really liked, I can't even think, I liked Taboo when I was, like, 14, and yeah, the boy <laughs> George. Kill my... But you were, yeah, you were, like, what, 17 when you saw Spring Awakening and fell in love yeah, with it? Yeah, that was it? a great show, though. I was 18. I was no, 18. oh, oh, I see. You were making a different point. Yeah. I was, like, when, you know, when we were, when we were of teen and tween age, uh, like, we, we were able to appreciate, like, more mature works. Look, even at that young... it is what it is. I mean, not, I... I saw Rent for the first time when I was 13, and it's like, you know, I know that not every kid... But now every show has a some rabid fan base of young kids, you know? Yeah. I, I took... Um, I, I remember taking... Remember Seussical, the musical? Yeah. yeah. I took... Um, I, they, they were doing, like, a, like a school tour that my, my kid was going to when she was in, I don't know, like second grade first grade and I remember going with the the school as like one of the chaperones and sort of sitting there and just being like this thing is terrible <laughs> and and kids are you know kids get it like you know and I mean my my kid is a little bit different than other kids she'd have already been to see a lot of theater and a lot of adult theater I, I never really took her to quote unquote kids shows, you know? Um, and I just remember sitting there and going, Oh my God, these, like this, this is why, this is why nobody likes theater when you're a kid, you know? (laughs) 
like you just sort of subject to this terrible thing with like really bad production values and like you know because everyone's like well kids have really great imaginations so we don't have to do it up <laughs> you know what we what do we need a production budget for the kids have imaginations they can just imagine things which is like kind of where i feel like harry potter worked so well for kids yeah because it had the magic. Imagination was key there. Too. Yeah, 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 it had the magic, and this sounds like it just has none of it. Uh, I have to, yeah, I have to say, having now seen it the second time, uh, the Broadway version is very lacking in magic. Like at one point, I just wanted to run from the like early on in the first, in the second act. I wanted, I was like, I I didn't want to leave at intermission, and I'm early in the second act. I really wanted to flee. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But I mean. The idea side of like the pans and oh you're you're murdering theater for children, um, because like like SpongeBob was great. SpongeBob was a great fantastic reviews. show. And yeah, there was it was a snobbery small... there. Oh gosh, you guys. So, I mean, just because it's for kids doesn't mean it has to be awful. But also, I mean... But also, if you're putting on a Broadway show, you know, no risk, no reward. And part of the risk is you're going to get bad reviews. I really think... The fan thing is one thing, but I think it's really tacky for the the official Twitter page of the... I mean, that's probably also run by 20-year-old interns who aren't getting paid. Um to like make a thing about you have to just accept them and like when life gives you lemons put nine in a bowl no <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know make lemonade like you know just don't go crying about the old white male critics don't get our show like well here you got you you Doug you had mentioned that it, you think that the show is just going to be closed before like this podcast even hits right so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, based on the composition of the audience the night we saw and how the balcony was empty, I think the mezzanine was half empty. It was the, the show is not selling well. So it's it's not even reaching its target. Like, who is its core audience? Because it's clearly not even reaching them. Well, you know, like Doug said, it was off Broadway a couple of years ago, and then it toured. Right. And then it so it started off as a theater work show for it was an hour long. And then, I don't know, I guess they fleshed it out. It went to the Lortella, had some success. It toured. It played the Beacon for a while. I don't know how long, probably like a week or two. Mm-hmm. So I feel like anyone who wanted to see it in New York probably went to that. So I don't know what they were, th- I don't know what they were thinking. And maybe it would have worked better if they went to New World Stages um, and played for a couple, like 12 weeks. I don't know what... Yeah, it's not that this show couldn't continue having a life, but I do not think a Broadway house is with... Ugh. Here we go again. More glitches. Wait, did you hear what Alyssa just said? No, nothing. Ugly and it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) To reiterate what I'm saying, it's like it can't decide if it wants to be... Like, it's a lot of, like, blue tarp. It... I don't know what they were going for production-wise. Like, is it supposed to look like kids putting on a show? Or is it supposed to look like... 
a polished Broadway show. A polished Broadway show. And I think, like, going back to the review thing, it's like, you put yourself on Broadway and you charge $200 a ticket, like, you open yourself up to scrutiny and you also should be Broadway caliber. Now, I never like the, when people ask, how did this get to Broadway? I mean, the easy answer is, it raised the money. It raised the money, yeah, yeah. You know, people conveniently always forget about money when it comes to Broadway, like, how could this close? It's like, it didn't make no money. Because like, <laughs> nobody bought tickets. That's why it closed. Yes. <laughs> you know, how could they bring this star in and replace this guy? Because it needs to make money. So you need millions of dollars. Well, yeah. you know, theater, theater fans are, have their head up their ass. But, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what they were thinking bringing this to Broadway. I really don't. Yeah, we should end it there. Okay. Don't, don't go see it. <laughs> it's if it's not, still running by the time this is uh, downloaded, don't go. Go see I, Scotland, I, PA. Yeah, do do go see Scotland, PA if you can. Also, for Scotland, PA, we didn't mention another performer who's in it. They have the equivalent of the three witches from Macbeth, and one of them is played by Alicia Umfris, who's also one of uh, the New York theater scene's great treasures. Um, she and Jay Armstrong Johnson were both in On the Town, which is one of New show. York's great, great uh, recent revivals. So, um, yeah, that's where you should that's where you should spend the money. I, and that I don't kind of. Teenagers, I think, would like that. I think so, too. And I Ryan think. McCartan is cute, and I think he's from Disney or something. Oh, oh no. Anyways. We heard that. We're fine. We heard that. Okay. All right. Take All your right. teen daughter to see... Uh, Scotland, PA. Scotland, PA. Ryan McCartan's cute. Jay Armstrong Johnson's cute, too. Well, I will see Jay Armstrong Johnson <laughs> read the phone book. I love Jay. He's an <laughs> incredible talent. Yeah, he's very he's good. Like, he's so good. Like, he was... Amazing and on the town and should have been nominated for a Tony, but he is really, really good here. Cool. So, so there we go. There we go. So we made it. We made it, guys. We got through with all our technical difficulties. Yeah. Thanks again for bearing with us. And hopefully the next time you head down the boulevard, it'll be better. I hope. I hope, I hope so. I hope. Hey, Karen, do we want to throw an, a question out now so we can talk about it next week? Okay. Okay, so one of the things we wanted to talk about, partly inspired by a show Karen is nearing the end of, um, are the best... (laughs) He was cut off again. Hold on, wait for obnoxious noise. Completely cut off, we missed the whole question. So um, we're talking about the ends of series. What are your favorite series finales, your least favorite series finales, what worked? What didn't work? What really didn't work? Uh, we'll put it up on the pod, I, but... I also want to talk about what makes it work. And what makes it work? Like, what makes it work when the endings work? What makes it work? Well, I do have a theory about that, too. So we can cover all of that next week. Yeah. Yeah, so tell us your favorite endings over on Facebook, which is Back on the Block Pod, is where you can find us. I want to hear about your favorite endings. Yeah, and if for whatever reason you guys mention a show uh, and I haven't seen that finale yet, I will make a point of watching it in time for our recording next week. So uh, it's a call to action for me as well. Cool. All right, kids. Alyssa, thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks, Han. Thank you guys again for listening. We'll see you next time. Have a great week. See you next week on the Boulevard.